generating a constant swirl of remarks and judgments that create a barrier of words and images that separate us from our very lives. We end up attending more to the internal cacophony than we do to the world around us. I call this mental condition mindlessness. Not because the mind is uninvolved, but because we find it difficult to be mindful or attentive to the experiences of our lives. The very dynamics that lead to mindlessness, I contend, can be gently redirected through meditation to cultivate the quality of mindfulness and to develop the mind in ways that will be conducive to our happiness and the happiness of others. That is what this course is about. Mind is a notoriously elusive concept. We all have an intuitive idea about what we mean by that word, but trying to define it concretely seems almost impossible. Throughout the centuries, theologians, philosophers, psychologists, and other thinkers have offered various ways of conceiving of the mind and trying to bring some specificity to the notion. Mind has been identified or associated with such functions as consciousness, thought, perception, memory, emotion, willing, reasoning, and imagination, and with various combinations thereof. None of these proposals, needless to say, has gained universal acceptance. For our purposes, these many fine distinctions need not detain us. In this course, the mind will refer to all of these mental processes. At times, we'll focus on one or two or three to the exclusion of others, but we will always think of the mind as a society, to use an image suggested by cognitive scientist Marvin Minsky. A society comprised of all of these processes. In short, we'll remain content with a rather vague conception of the mind. As we proceed, we'll begin to see the value of allowing this concept to remain broad and inclusive. With this general definition as our basis, let us now consider how we experience our minds. Perhaps the first and most obvious thing we can say is that we ordinarily think of our minds as our own. My mind is mine. It doesn't belong to you or to anyone else. Likewise, I suspect you experience your mind in the same way, as something belonging to you and no one else. No one else, apparently, has access to our minds. No one really knows what goes on in our minds, unless we tell them. No one can read our minds, but they may infer our mental states by becoming familiar with facial expressions or 
other gestures that coordinate with particular forms of our subjectivity. Scientists may be able to analyze certain brain activity using sophisticated imaging techniques, but they cannot perceive what our minds are thinking or feeling. While our minds may, in fact, be controlled by demonic beings, alien life forms, or sentient machines, as in the film The Matrix, our ordinary mental experience does not suggest this. We basically think of ourselves in control of our own thought processes. Our minds are, in fact, our most private domains. So important are they that we tend to identify with our minds by thinking of them as the center of our personality.